Search my heart, test my thoughts, see my ways, and lead me in the everlasting way. Father, today as we look at your word, we pray that you would search and test and see and lead us in the everlasting way. So, Father, use your word today in each of our lives, we pray by your spirit. Amen. We've been talking about the pursuit of holiness. It's a theme that the Lord led us as overseers to earlier in this year. And so out of just a belief that God is wanting to do something in each of us, in drawing us into a greater place of holiness before him, we are spending a good portion of this year talking about that. So let me just kind of remind us where we've come over the last, it's been about four weeks now, we've been talking about this. First of all, we talked about the fact that we've lost in our day a sense of the holiness of God. It's crept up on us, it's just this gradual thing, and, and we, we continue to lose the, just the awesomeness of, of every quality of God has been diminished in our day. And whenever a nation or a people or an individual loses this sense of God's holiness, they are in trouble. And so we see that in our nation, that we are in trouble today. We just look at the data, all of the statistics. I was telling Vicki, the truth of the matter is, it's, we have a daughter in Nepal. She's, she, statistically, she's safer in Nepal than she is in America. We have one of the highest crime rates of any nation in the world in this country. And so we're, we're reaping that loss of, of God's holiness. And so what we need is a renewed vision of God's holiness. We need that, that renewed vision of God's holiness. There's, there's only one thing that will bring us to our knees, and that is a vision, uh, a renewed vision of who God is. A renewed vision will then lead us to repentance. A renewed vision will lead us to repentance. And the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. But where we understand the kindness of God is when we understand his wrath against sin, against all sin. When we, when we understand we're under the condemnation of sin, it's only then that we understand the kindness of God. And the goal of that kindness of God is to lead us to a place of repentance. And then once we are at a place of repentance, we are prepared for the gospel. And the gospel is what will lead us to Christ. And we'll keep coming back to this point, <clears throat> but holiness, growth in holiness, always, always flows out of one's relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week I asked the question, do you want to be holy? Do we want to be holy? And I, I asked us to think about that. You know, it's kind of like if someone said, do you want to run a marathon? You're going, I'm not sh There's a lot of work to get ready for a marathon, right? I mean, there's a lot more work to answering the question in the affirmative, do you want to be holy? There's a lot more change. <clears throat> there's a lot more sacrifice in answering that question. 
Do we really want to be that different? Do we really want to change? We, we can't go with God and stay where we are. And so I talked about that. And then we also talked, however, about the reward of holiness. Because anyone who comes to God, it says in Ephesians, must believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, if you're just seeking God because if someone's challenging you to seek God just because you're supposed to seek God, if, if someone's challenging you to seek God without any sense of, of reward or, or benefit or any value in that, I don't even believe that's an appropriate way. Uh, it's not a biblical way to be challenged. The Bible says if we're going to come to God, we must and seek him. We must believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And so we are, we're rewarded with this sense of, of knowing that we're clean, of, of happiness, of the presence of God, and having the work of God impact others through our lives. So this morning, if a person, I believe, if a person is saying, you know what, I want to be more holy. I, I really, I realize it may take some things I don't even know about right now, but I want to be holy in my life, then we're going to look at this prayer this morning because I think this is where it starts. I think it's being challenged with this prayer. Search me, O God. If you want to be more holy, then this is where you start. You say, okay, God, would you search me? And, you know, when I say that, probably the first thing that comes into your mind is you go, well, if I'm going to ask God to search me, I know he's going to find out stuff that's wrong with me, right? I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. I, I, was, I was sitting in my office, on, I was writing my sermon, and the, uh, we have a policeman that likes to, just so you know, he likes to sit right behind the shrubs here and uh, watch on Alderson. I kid you not, he pulls, in the, he pulls in the parking lot, and I reached for my seatbelt. Now, I'm sitting in my... I'm sitting in my office chair, and I'm thinking about my seatbelt, and I felt rather foolish. <clears throat> it just, you know what I'm talking about? It's just instinctive. You see a policeman, and this thing happens in, inside your heart. You know, there are people that look at God that way. There are people, when you, if you were to ask them to pray, search me, oh God, this panicky feeling would come over their, their heart, and they would just go, that, that feels like a really scary thing to do. Now, I don't know the motives of policemen. I'm sure there are police that have great motives. There are probably other police that are just filling their quotas and like the sense of the power of pulling out and pulling somebody over. Maybe they're just doing it to get paid. But I want to say this. God never delights in your sin. Never. God's never happy to catch anyone in sin. His goal, the Bible says, is to save us from our sins. That's God's design, is to save us from our sins. And sin has one goal. Sin has one ultimate goal, and that is to destroy whatever area of your life that you allow it into. Whatever arena of life, it will not be content until it has completely gone to the end of that road and destroyed completely. Whatever that is, whatever area that is in your life. The smallest little thing can, can grow into something extremely destructive 
in our lives. And so sin is the great masquerader. It, it always wears a costume. That's how it lives. That's how it survives. It pretends to be something that it's not. It is incredibly deceptive. It enters our life by deception, and it stays in our lives by deception. And so Jesus said, you know, in the last days, in Matthew 24, he said, there is going to be an amazing power of evil to deceive. Incredibly strong power to deceive. I was, and I, I was just thinking this morning, I woke up early and I was thinking about, I couldn't help thinking about Ukraine and, you know, <clears throat> Russia began to move into that lower peninsula and just began to, you know, what would happen? What would happen if, if the world was brought into this thing with the U.S. and allies and Russia and maybe China and, and all of a sudden imagine Imagine the tension in our world, and the Bible says it's in that kind of a scenario that the Antichrist will come, and he will deceive, it says, the whole world. He will promise peace in a time when the world is searching for peace and on the brink of disaster and this deception. Sin has an amazing power to deceive. And so we see here that God who created us, wants to save us from that deception of sin. God never delights in our sin. He wants to save us not just from the penalty of sin, he wants to save us from the power of sin in each of our lives. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. He said, I came into the world to save it. So all that to say, God wants to make us holy because he, he wants to make us free from sin which enslaves us and destroys us. So the question this morning is, our, not only do you want to be holy, if you, if you want to be holy, then will, will you begin to pray this prayer? That's what I'm asking you this morning. Psalm 139, this prayer, verses 23 and 24. Will you over these next weeks begin to pray this prayer. It's interesting how the psalm flows because in the, in the opening part of 139, there's a beautiful passage. I've read this. I love to read this at funerals because death is a dark time and a hard time. And this psalm says, you know what? God goes with us through everything. He's everywhere. He has knowledge of everything. He knows you when, when you were first, when you were just two cells he was in your mind before he even began. God knows everything about us. And so we go through this beautiful psalm. How precious, in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, I'm still with you. And then there's a really interesting, listen to the next statement. So you have this beautiful, surreal psalm. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Wow. <laughs> Where did that come from, David? Well, evidently, there's something on his mind. And so, out of that... Out of that, then, we see 
this psalm, and it's almost as if David's going, you know what, God, I am, I am so angry at these enemies, and I, I, have, I have all this going on internally against me, and, you know, part of it's like, God, I'm hating those who you hate, right? This, this is okay, but then he prays this prayer. And it's maybe almost kind of like a, you could almost, I think, put a butt in there. But search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. So it's almost like he's coming to God and saying, God, I, I, need, I need you to examine my life here because I've got a lot of feelings going on. And I don't know if they're appropriate or not. So here's the prayer. Number one, he says, search my heart. Now, why do we need God to search our heart? Why don't, we, why don't we take responsibility for our own lives here, and why don't we search our own hearts? Why does David say, God, would you search my heart? Well, the scripture tells us why. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Listen to what it says about your heart and my heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You can't, you can't cure. There's, there's no healing for this heart within us. There's no cure for the disease that's in our heart. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Interesting here in Psalm that David says, you know, search my heart, test my mind, and reward a man according to his conduct or his way. This really parallels Psalm 139. And so we see here that the heart is deceitful. My heart's deceitful, your heart is deceitful. And so we see here that David has seen his own heart in action. He's seen how sin has deceived him in his own life. And so we see here he's inviting God to search him. The reason he's inviting God to search him and the reason you and I need to pray this prayer, God, search my heart, is because we're not capable, we are not capable of searching our own heart. Our hearts are too deceptive. And so we invite God and we say, God, would you search my heart? Would you show me the things that I will never see in and of myself? I mean, I can guarantee that in this room right now, every one of us here is deceived by sin in some way. There's, there's, there's something in our heart of one kind or one thing or another, something we are justifying, something that we are ignoring Sometime, something that we've put a twist on that we don't see the way God sees it. And so we have this prayer, you know, to search me. You know, it's kind of like if you weren't feeling well, and, but you need to go to the doctor. You need to go in. You need to ask them to do some tests and figure out what's going on because you don't know what's wrong. You know there's something wrong, but you don't know what it is. It's almost like David has that kind of heart here towards God, and he's saying, God, I, I, don't, I don't trust myself or, or my heart. You know, David, or Paul, in 1 Corinthians 4, 4 and 5, he says, 
Paul says, I don't even trust my own conscience. It, it's God who searches the heart. David, Paul says, I can't judge your heart. You can't judge somebody else's heart. Only God can truly judge the heart. And so the first question is, are you willing to pray this prayer, God, would, would you search my heart? Then he says this, and he invites God to test his thoughts. To test his thoughts and see if there's anything anxious there. So I say to God, God, I trust you. I trust you. But do I really? Do I really trust you? I mean, when was the last time you, when was the last time you prayed this prayer? God, would you test me? to see if I really trust you? Anybody pray that this week? No, okay. <clears throat> this year? This <clears throat> I don't know if I I don't know if I have ever seriously prayed that prayer. God test me. I mean, I don't pray that prayer. I don't like tests. I don't I don't like testing. Uh I really don't, but the question is, am I, am I willing to have my sins revealed? Am I willing to invite God to test my life, to show me my heart? And to show me my mind here is, is what he's, he's focusing on. David here is inviting God to test him and see if there are anxious thoughts in him. So David wants something more here than things just being comfortable. He he wants the truth, and he wants God to test him. It's interesting that the first thing that happened to Jesus when he started his ministry was what? God, the Father, took him out and tested him. He did three things. He tested him in, in three areas. First, he tested him, tested him in his appetite. Basically, he said, what's more important, food or me? Now, we're not talking about an ice cream sundae after a full meal. We're, we're talking about no food or drink for 40 days. And so we see that that was the first test. The second one was if Jesus was going to do his own thing with his life or God's thing. So we know that God had this cross and this path for Jesus to follow by which he would reign over all the nations of the earth. And Satan comes and says, I got a much easier way. Just bow down, worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And so we see he's tempted to do things his own way or do things God's way. There are no shortcuts on the road to holiness. It's not easy. It's not fast. It's not painless. But it is the road that leads to life. And then thirdly, we see that they put, the third thing that Satan did was tempted Jesus to put God to the test. Well, if you're, if you're really God, then throw yourself down, uh, and there's a big cliff there. Just throw yourself down, and, and God's angels will protect you, and then everybody will really be impressed, and then we'll really know. You know, that then you, people will really know that you are who you say you are. I mean, how often do we say that to God? 
God, you do things my way, and, and then I'll believe you. Then I'll, then I'll trust you. God, you do something supernatural here so I can really believe who you are. You prove yourself according to the tests that I will set up for you. But that's not how it works. We don't test God. He tests us. God doesn't need to be tested. We're the ones that need to be tested. And so here we're, we're tested for our anxious thoughts. Our anxious thoughts. It was about seven years ago now that I <clears throat> went through the thing with, with prostate cancer. And, you know, I stand up here every Sunday, and I can, I can tell you from the, that in my gut that I trust God and that I'll tell you what, whatever happens in my life, I know that God is going to take care of me and I know that God's going to be with me. And I can stand here and I can tell you that and I can feel that internally within me. I remember when that test came in my life, I was so anxious. I had thoughts that I had never thought in my life. And I realized it was like God was saying to me, you don't trust me as much as you say you do. And so it was like a revelation of these anxious thoughts. And when your life comes on the line and, and a lot of implications of, of a disease or whatever is going on, God really tests you. And so David says, God... I'm inviting you to test me. You know, are we willing to pray that kind of prayer? To be refined. And then, thirdly, he says, see my ways. See my ways, God. God looks not only at the inner motivation of our hearts and, and our minds, but he's, he's always also looking at the ways that I'm living my life. He's looking at the ways that you and I live our life. And David said, God, would you show me, is there anything offensive? Or I like, I like the ESV, is there anything grievous? I like the word grievous because grievous has a sense that somebody is, is, is being grieved about what we're doing. David is saying, God, is there anything going on in my life that breaks your heart? Do you think about it that way? I mean, do you realize that what's going on in your life can break God's heart? That God can be grieved? Now, I think many of us say, you know what? I'm one of six billion people. What I do, I mean, I know there's consequences. I know I shouldn't do things. But do you really think what I do really matters to God? Do you think that I'm really that important to God? Who says you aren't important to God? Who told you that? When did you start believing that lie? God didn't tell you that. God has told you over and over and over and over again hundreds of passages in his word that he values you as his creation, that, that he would give his life to save you from the destructive power of sin. We know where that comes from. It comes from the deceiver, doesn't it? So David says, God, see, my, see if there's anything that's grieving you. 
David understood that, that he was in this relationship with God and, and what he did mattered to God. God is, is not content unless you are experiencing the best that he has for you. And, and sin is always working against that. That's why God hates sin. God doesn't hate sin because he hates people. God hates sin because of his desire for the best for his people. And so David concludes by saying, Lord, sh don't just show me any grievous way, but show me that, lead me in the everlasting way. It's kind of like he's saying, show me the ways that are wrong and then, and then lead me in the everlasting way. And that's not just the way that God has for you down the road. The everlasting way is the way that God has for you from now and on into and through eternity. God's desire is that we would begin living now as God desires us to live in eternity. The beginning of this way, this everlasting way, is to the one who said, I am the way. I am the way. I wonder how many, <coughs> you know, if, if someone came to me and said, and I wonder how many people look at their relationship with Jesus like, or are in a relationship with Jesus like this. If someone came to me and said, do you know Aaron Rodgers? I would say, yeah, I know Aaron Rodgers. He's quarterback for <coughs> Green Bay. He led them for a, to a Super Bowl in 2010. Came on board in, in 2008 when Brett Favre was quarterback. He's, uh, he's 31 years old. He grew up in California. He graduated from high school. He was 5'10", 165 pounds. Couldn't get a, couldn't get a scholarship at any Division I school. So he went to community college and, and there did well and eventually the University of California brought him in and he was, uh, he was drafted the first round, 24th pick. Quarterback with one of the highest, has the highest quarterback rating in the NFL, 104.9. And in his spare time, he likes acoustic and electric guitar. So, yeah, I know Aaron Rodgers. Have you ever met him? Well, I saw him once from row 52 in, uh, in the stadium, but no, I've, I've never met him. But you know him. Well, I guess I don't really, I mean, I don't really know him. I, I guess I just know about him. The question I'm asking is, do we know Jesus? Because a life of holiness, and, and what we're talking about here, what, what we're going to be talking about through the course of this whole summer and uh, into the summer, I, I said summer, do you hear that? <coughs> into the summer, into the fall, what we're going to be talking about I'm going to keep coming back to this because if you miss this, you'll miss holiness. That a life of holiness flows out of relationship with Jesus Christ. Not someone that you've heard of or you just know that this is a guy that died on this cross for people of the world, but this is someone you've met. This is someone you know. This is someone you have a relationship with. I was... There was a pastor, and he was talking about, he was talking with a, a man who had come to Christ later in his life, and the man had just really been touched by Jesus Christ. I mean, his life had been transformed 
And he was just in love with Jesus. And they were having this conversation, and the guy was in his office, and he was just saying, Pastor, he was saying, I, I feel so terrible because you know, I, I'm struggling with this in my life, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm struggling with this. And the guy hadn't been a Christian very long. And so the pastor is trying to comfort him. He said, well, you know, and he was giving him all the cliches, you know, like, we know God isn't finished with you yet. And, you know, like the bumper sticker, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. And, you know, God is, God is still at work in your life. You know, God's, that's why you need God's grace every day. And, you know, you are, you're just a work in progress. You have to remember it. And he was telling him all this stuff. And, and the pastor said, then he, he stopped me, and he looked, and he, he leaned forward, and he said, his eyes began, he began to tear up. And he looked at the pastor, and he said, but pastor, he said, when I do this stuff, it hurts Jesus. It hurts Jesus. And the pastor was saying, I learned a lesson that day. But you know, we can, we can comfort ourselves with the fact that we live by grace and, and God's forgiven us and we're not perfect yet, but we have to understand that our sin hurts Jesus. And, and, and if we're in this relationship with someone we love and we realize they've been so loyal to us in our life, it's out of that relationship that we have this desire to live a holy life out of gratitude and, and, and just out of wanting to live in a... You know, it's like when you have a relationship with someone, you want to be faithful, you want to be loyal. And sometimes I wonder if we've focused so much on God's provision for sin through Christ that we've forgotten. That when our way is grievous and offensive, that it's offensive to somebody. And it's offensive to the one who died that we could be free from this power of sin in our lives. So this morning, I challenge you with the prayer. Search my heart. Test my thoughts. See my ways. And lead me in your way. Father, this morning, we are invited, I believe, by your word and by you to pray this prayer. Lord, for some of us here, we, we know what it is that you've spoken to us about. We don't need a searchlight. You've already revealed it, and there's something that you've called us to do, a step you've called us to take. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's a way of believing. Maybe it's a way, maybe it's an attitude. Whatever it is, Lord, and Father, we just need to surrender that to you. Lord, for others, Lord, we, we live our lives and, and there are perhaps things that we're not aware of. And Lord, we, we need to invite you to search us and to test our minds and to look at our ways. And Father, see if there's anything that's offensive or grievous to you. And so, Lord, this morning, we just, uh, we just pray that prayer. And in these moments, Lord, of, 
of, of worshiping you and moments around your table here, we, we pray that you would reveal to us uh, what you may be trying to show us. Lord, what is that offensive way? What is that thing that's grieving your heart today? What is that sin that we've invited in and that has begun a process of destroying some area of our life that you desire us to experience blessing in? So, Father, we, we thank you for uh, the courage that David had to publicly pray this prayer and Lord we we want to today to take this prayer and make it our own so Lord I would pray that in these coming days and Lord in the quiet times maybe in the morning or when we get up that we would just sit in your presence and, and open up our Bibles and, and just read through this prayer and, and just pray it back to you oh God search my heart test my thoughts see if there's any anxious way, thoughts in me. Lord, see my ways. If there's something offensive or grievous that's going on in my life, then Lord, lead me in the way that you have. Father, that's our prayer today. And uh, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.